Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Six seconds to go. Comes in the Tucker. Ewing sets a screen. The shot is off. Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Strick and Roll. I'm your host, Shwinipu, and this is episode 36. I am joined by, uh, second time on the pod, his name is Troll Bro Dude. That's at Troll Bro Dude on Twitter. Mr. Troll, Mr. Bro, Mr. Dude, how are you doing? Uh, I wish I was better. I wish I was coming back under different circumstances. I wish it was a happier occasion for me to come back on the pod, but... You know, what do I know better than uh, the Sixers and the NBA is uh, what to do with the slop this offseason and all of the trades and the free agency and how to fix the team and all that. So so I'm back under not good circumstances, but hopefully we can have a good conversation. Yes, uh, I'm sure that we will have a good conversation. And uh, before we do have that good conversation... Uh, I'm going to read an ad copy as soon as I can br- pull it up. Uh, uh, very exciting as I stall for time. But we are set, and I am about to do it. Here we go. All right. Bet Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Bet online is your sports Intel headquarters this season as we have you covered for all your insider sports wagering needs from basketball, MLB, NHL, hockey, golf to UFC and boxing. The fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. Get into the action today, so ho- so head to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code believe that is B L E A V to receive your fifty percent bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Um, so that was great uh, ad read. I gotta say, I do have a few more things to announce. Uh, the first being that the Strickland has an Instagram. Check that out. That is at Strick.land on Instagram. We are posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has a Patreon, which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a six-star tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast. Not this podcast, but the podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Amico that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There is a $9 tier that gets you access to Strickland Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks even more. This podcast right here, actually, where I get to do that. Uh, you also get access to wonderful weekly mail or wonderful weekly articles, rather, by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. There is a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like listening on pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not. None of this would be possible without you. So without further ado, let's get started. Um, so the Sixers, uh, you know, uh, well, you know, let's just start here. Let's start here. Let's actually not start with the Sixers. Let's not start with the Knicks. Let's start with the team that me and you a couple months ago were jokingly like they're done. They got nothing left in the tank. This team fucking sucks. 
the zombie heat who are now zombieing their way into a one the lead over the Celtics, the Eastern conference finals. Um, their zombie magic is real. And uh, Eric Spolstra is a genius. And Jimmy Butler is awesome, uh, which is really annoying. Probably more, way more for you uh, than it is for me, I'm sure. Well, yeah, yeah, uh, certainly not. I mean, last time we were on, I was like, if the heat flame out, do they trade Jimmy? That was where we were at last yeah. time. Yep. Because it felt like there was no way that they could possibly get out of the situation that they were in. If they, they're the eight seed, they lose in the first round. Jimmy's only got so many years off. We were like, could he get traded to the Knicks? Like, and now we're in a position where we actually had a podcast where we were doing the, after the Raptors lost in the play-in, uh, we did an episode that we were going to do called Raptors Pack and Heat Pack. And I had a buddy on who is a Nets fan and he was like, Hey, don't do the heat pack part. And I was like, why? They're about to like they're about to lose in the play-in. Like, like we should not take them seriously. And he was like, it's the heat. You should wait to do the heat pack episode until they're officially dead. And I was like, okay. And now we're here a month later. They're in the conference finals. Like you said, they're up one-nothing. Jimmy Butler goes. What's really funny to me is that I felt like I know he injured his ankle, but I felt like Jimmy wasn't even that great in the Knicks series. Like I, I gotta say this, there there are these Heat fans that are like his ankle was injured. Like that, like like no, no, like I get it. His yeah. ankle was hurt. He Everyone's six, playing hurt right yeah, now. Yeah, everybody's playing hurt. He had six days off between game one and game three when he played again. Um it's okay to just like like you won the series. You won the war. Sure. It's okay to concede like maybe one skirmish didn't go in your favor. You know, like, like, look, the, the, you know, the, uh, we lost Pearl Harbor, but we won, we won the war. You know? <laughs> it's okay. Like, you know, we look back at it, we honor it. And, but, you know, we, we also are like, Hey, we won the war. Fuck you. Um, shout out Roger Sterling and Mad Men. Um, but like, you know, I just don't, Heat fans are just fucking so annoying uh, about this, but it's like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. Like, it's, it's okay to just think maybe, the coach who coached him a shit ton and a team with, you know, certain physical wing defenders. Um, maybe they just did a better job on Jimmy. And like, this is the thing, like Grimes has done a good job on Jimmy going back to his rookie season. So sure. it's just a guy who, for whatever reason, like Jimmy just has some trouble with. And it's not like, look, he still had a good series. Don't get me wrong. It's not like he was. Yeah, no, no, no. Jimmy was great. It was, it's just like, he wasn't playoff Jimmy that right. we've become accustomed right. to, which is like, twice a series Jimmy has games where he looks like the best player in the world and that is something that he didn't really show during that series in a way that he he did in the first round in a way that he did in the Easter Conference Finals last year he seems to have this <laughs> this mental edge over the Boston Celtics <laughs> like like I don't think it's a particularly bad matchup for the Celtics with the Heat uh, and Jimmy Butler in general, but uh, he seems to not be afraid of them in any way. He seems to take it right to him. And honestly, last night, for some reason, they were giving Jimmy every switch he wanted, and he was hunting his matchup. And I thought Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown did an okay job on him. I just thought that Jimmy was able to get the primary defender he wanted on him whenever he wanted, whether that was Malcolm Brogdon or Peyton Pritchard. And he was just taking them to work and had another 
classic vintage playoff Jimmy performance last night in Boston, which I don't know. I don't know what it is about game ones in Boston, but if you were on the all-star team like four or five years ago, you're just going to destroy Kyle Lowry, James Harden, and then Jimmy, who's still an all NBA. You're on mute. You're, you're thinking about mute again. Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry about that. I don't, no, you're good. You're good. It keeps doing this over and over. I don't know if it's my computer or what. But um, but yeah, I don't know what it is about the uh, the the game ones in Boston. Just Boston at home in general has been very vulnerable up until that game seven, really, uh, against the Sixers where they destroyed them. So it feels like to me that this Boston team isn't as good as we thought. And Miami is a team that has a superstar player. They have really good veteran role players around him. Bam Adebayo has stepped up this playoffs in a way offensively that I didn't really anticipate from him. I know he's gotten better offensively, but he was kind of feasting last night against Boston in the post. Um, And then if you get this performance out of Kevin Love, Kyle Lauer, there's a roulette of random heat role players that have variants to their game because of the amount of threes that they shoot because of the fact that they all can handle the ball because of the fact that they're all high feel players. It feels like like Kevin Love and Kyle Lowry and even to an extent like four role players like Max Struess and Caleb uh, Martin are like they, they know where to be. They know their roles. They know what to do. And Eric Spolster is pulling all the right levers at the right time for this team. And then of course, they didn't shoot like crazy against the Knicks. They kind of just grinded their way to some wins. And now we're back to them shooting the hell out of the ball like they did in that Milwaukee series to start off the playoffs. F- over 50% from three last night. As a team, they shot close to 50% in that Buck series. And if you're if you're a Boston fan, like you got to be worried about this team because that Sixers team was not as good as, as the Celtics, especially with the way that James Harden and Joel Embiid were so up and down in that series. Like the fact that that series went seven already would have made me feel a little bit queasy about the Celtics. But the fact that you lost another game one at home, they're 500 in their last 22 home uh, playoff games. And even if you win this series, you got Nikola Jokic on the other side, potentially, or LeBron James and Anthony Davis, probably Nikola Jokic, who's playing like the best player in the world right now. So like I just don't I don't really know how how I misevaluated this Boston team so much. I thought they were the clear championship favorites and they just they have warts like every other team. Yeah, I mean I saw I have a theory on this. Um what do you know I, I think the Celtics were a pretty high paced team, if I remember correctly. Um I know the Bucks were like a top five. They might have been the one of the high, I think they were like top two or three paced team. I feel like Miami is benefiting from that in these playoffs. Um, I thought yesterday, especially those Robert Williams minutes were brutal. Um, that's it's just not a good matchup for him. It's not like a knock on him really. I, I mean, he will talk about your series against them. I thought he was Great. a huge difference maker in that yeah. series. Um, but like when you're playing Miami, I think if you're trying to play fast, it's really hard for big guys to keep up with Bam when, and it's funny because Miami, like they're a slow team. They're they're one of the like they're right next to the Knicks, I think, in terms of pace um, for the season. Anyway, I don't know what that is in the playoffs, but like, I wonder if the um, Kevin Love acquisitions change that just because of the outlet pass factor. Like, I feel like that yeah. is something that might have like flipped the switch a little bit. 
Yeah, it, it definitely could have. Uh, I'm just looking at this right now. So uh, Boston actually wasn't that fast. They were 19th in pace this year. I was going to say, um, their half-court offense has been the best in the playoffs. So yeah. it's them and Denver, so... Yeah, and Milwaukee was tenth, but I do want. I it does feel to me like the Knicks playing a very, very grinded out like this is nineteen ninety six, whether you like it or not, style of play. Um, and Miami is fine playing that way. They play that way during the regular season. I wonder if that's part of the reason why, like the offense for Miami against the Knicks just wasn't very good. Um, I it felt like yesterday they were getting a lot more. And, and let's be real too, like Jimmy was on one yesterday um, and they, you know, a couple guys made some tough shots, but they, they tended to get some quality shots that it feels like, and it, you know, there's always that weird thing where it's like, sometimes you can have an open shot, but it just doesn't feel like it's open at all. Um, and it was like Lowry yesterday. Yeah. He hit some tough shots, but they all felt like in rhythm to me. It didn't feel that way against the Knicks that, for both either team, by the way, like it just felt like very much a war of attrition. Um, it was a rock fight. Yeah. It, it was definitely a rock fight. And so like, Watching them against Boston yesterday, it's one game, so it's you know you shouldn't get too carried away. I do feel like I wouldn't be surprised if Boston goes away from the two big lineup. Um, I think that would probably help them a lot. And it's funny because like I I didn't I, I would be lying if I said that you know before the game started I was like well maybe you shouldn't start both bigs. Like I get why you start both bigs. The the thing for me that I just made no sense about that game was the entire qu- third quarter, and it's like. Like, okay, they go up 12, and then, the, you know, keep make this run. Missoula doesn't call a timeout. I think that the timeout that got called was a TV timeout. And then they come out, and Miami extends the lead to eight. And I think Miami might have called the timeout. I don't remember exactly what happened, but he didn't call a timeout the entire time. The Celtics quarter, right? cut back into their lead, right. and then Miami called a timeout. Right. And it's just like, I, I watching that was so... And it's this is the difference to me between Spolstra... And some of their coaches, it's not just that he calls the timeouts when you should call them. It's that they come out of those timeouts and they always fucking execute. Literally, they always fucking execute some play, some open shot, something. And like whatever adjustments they make, they immediately will always go on like a 4-0, 5-0, 6-0 run. And that to me is specifically like not not that by itself, but that's one component of why he is the best coach in the league to me. Um, but like you saw that yesterday where you know, I, I hate I, this is the other thing that the Heat fans are doing now where it's like, oh, like maybe we are just as talented as all these other teams and you guys are underrating our talent. I'm like, I don't think like you should take it as an insult that the reasons people are like, well, like, I don't think it's an insult to be like, I think Miami is really just they outperform every year because Spolster is a fucking genius and Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler and Bam is Bam and that's that. Like, I, I get it. Like, yeah, he gets like your role players are nice. But if you think, I don't know, what's who's like a good coach that is, let's just say, who's Ty Lue. Yeah, let's say Ty Lue. Let's say you give Ty Lue the Miami Heat, and you're like, okay, here's Jimmy Butler, here's Bam, and here are all these fucking undrafted dudes. Like, just figure that out and, and make it happen. And also, um, Kyle Lowry's going to be fat for like a one, like one and a half years, and Tyler Hero is going to score points and then give them up on the other end. Like, that's your team. I don't well, think well, the Tyler... reason they went on this run is because Tyler Hero got hurt. Yes, I completely agree with that. Like, <laughs> I literally been saying we've been saying since last year the Heat are better without Tyler Hero, and it's not even a knock on Tyler Hero to me. It's the fact that they now play more role players who do role player things. Yeah, <laughs> like, and and they don't have a guy like 
So when you they play Hero, and I get it because like he is a good offensive player, so you kind of have to play him. And their offense uh, usually sucks in the half. Right, right. And so it's like, but what happens is now when you play Duncan Robinson, it's two guys that another team can attack. Now when you play Kevin Love, there's two guys that another team can attack. Now it's just one. It's like one at most at any time. And a lot of times they have lineups where there's no real weak point. Like if your weakest defender saying. is Gabe Vincent, like most of the time his issues Max on Truth defense is even, can even hold his own. Like Max Struess is strong. Struess. He's a little, he's kind of like, he's, he's not athletic. a terrible defender. Yeah. I'm a Struess guy. I've been a Struess guy since last I year. I think he's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I remember last year during the Sixers series being impressed by how well he moved his feet on defense and how strong he was. And I was like, wow, I had no idea. Dude, Struess used to catch bodies in college. He tore his ACL, and like that's why he didn't get drafted or whatever. Yeah, but he was like a he's an athlete. He's athletic, um, yeah, yeah, and like sneaky athletic is like, uh, he. <laughs> he is something about it. Make something about him specifically makes him sneaky. Um, but but uh, no, he's a guy I've actually I would like unironically want the Knicks to go after with the their mid level. Um, well, you want the Sixers to go after them. Yes, I've been wanting <laughs> to go after him since the Sixers series last year. Yeah, I was but... like, please give him the MLE. Yeah. Um, but, like, it, it just, yeah, there's there's no, like, if your weak point is Gabe Vincent, like, that's really just a size mismatch. That's not sure. even, that's not like, it's just, oh, he's food out there. It's not one of those. Um, so, I, I just, they're fucking annoying, and they're zombies. I still think Boston will win this series, but... This is what happens when, like, when when Spolstra is, he has an advantage in every series. Sure. In every series, he's the best guy on the sideline. And then you give him Jimmy, and Jimmy in any playoff series can be the best guy in that playoff series. And he's, he's been the best guy. Honest, Embiid, yeah. Tatum. Like, the, th- there is no yeah. player that I think, I honestly think Jokic is the only one that won't get outplayed by Jimmy. And I think that Jokic is playing at a level that, like we've never seen from an offensive player since probably peak Steph in the playoffs. Like. Yeah. Yeah. And Jokic will do it while he's like shoving burgers down between games. <laughs> exactly. Amazing, amazing player. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all right. Enough about the heat and how annoying they are. Let's talk a little bit about how your Sixers are annoying to you. Oh, um, I, I messaged you after game six and I was like, yeah, dude, that sucks. The docs and then you're like, fuck. I don't care about Doc. Fuck the players. I was so angry. I, I'm sorry. First off, I'm sorry for being emotional in the moment. But no, I, I get it. I'm just done blaming. I was like, I'm done blaming Doc. Like, I, I felt like I felt like Doc. Okay, so the Sixers, every fan base does this. I do it. You do it. Every single fan, every single fan base has them. There's two or three guys that you always hate on the team, whether it's the coach, players, and they're the scapegoats. And I, the fan base with the Sixers have always done it with the, these three guys, or two guys, really. It's Doc Rivers and Tobias Harris. And I said coming into this series, if we lose this series, and Joel Embiid and James Harden aren't the best players in this series pretty much the whole time, I don't want to hear anything about role players. I don't want to hear anything about coaches. I don't want to hear anything, like... Go out and prove that you're the best players in this series, or we're not going to win. Like, that's pretty much what it comes down to. Boston has a better roster. They have better depth. Their stars aren't, I, I would say, their stars probably are a little bit better built for the playoffs than the Sixers' stars. Um, and from a two way perspective, they might have, they have an advantage over the Sixers. But we saw in game one, we saw in game four, we saw in game five. 
when Joel Embiid and James Harden and or James Harden in game one and four, Joel Embiid in game five are the best players on the court, they can win against pretty much any team. And the consistency and the lack of consistency from our stars is what cost us this series. And I was like, I I was frustrated because I felt like we were joking. It was like, you know, the Denny Green, they are who we thought they were kind of thing. After game one, I was like, wow, the Sixers can really win this series. And Boston let them hang and let them hang and let them hang and let them hang. And the Sixers never once grabbed this series by the throat and just took it over. The last, they were up with four minutes left in game six. They were up three points with a chance to go to the Eastern Conference Finals for the first time since 2001. Joel Embiid touched the ball twice in the last four minutes, no times in the last three minutes. James Harden was throwing up all over himself. Tyrese Maxey, bless his heart, I love him. He was trying to do all he could, but he's just not ready for that moment yet. He's just not that level of player. I don't know if he'll ever get to be the level of player where he's closing playoff games. But I was just so frustrated because it feels like every time that there's a big moment our stars get scared and they get, they get blinded by the light and they, they should be the best players in this series. They should have won us this series. And now we're in a situation where we lose in seven in a very winnable series. We let it slip away. The role players came out in game seven, ready to go. D'Anthony Melton was fantastic. PJ Tucker was fantastic. Tobias Harris played well, other than on defense, he had nothing for Jason Tatum, but no one did. Uh, yeah, Tatum was just on. He was on some shit. That was an incredible heater yeah. in game. Like, I mean, like it was like I couldn't blame the Celtics defenders after Game One when James Harden was looking like peak James Harden. Like, I was like, right. I don't know what the fuck you can do. Like, he's just roasting everything. Right. Like, right. It's just incredible shot making. Like, it's 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 not anyone's fault. So, I felt like it was a very winnable series. I felt like once again our stars let us down, and I felt like Doc is going to be the scapegoat. Maybe Tobias Harris gets traded. He's the scapegoat, but like. At a certain point, if you're the best players on the team, you need to take over the series, and they had many opportunities to do that, and they did not. Yeah, um, I've never been a Harden guy. I like, I was actually kind of liked what I, I I liked a lot of what I actually saw from him in Philly this year. I think I talked about this last time with you, um, but like this, this is why like the Harden stuff to me. I've just never, you know, look. We, I remember a few years ago, right? There was like. All like, oh well, he's better than fucking Kobe ever was. Look at the numbers. Look at this. Look at that. And I'm like, I get all that shit. And I like advanced sets are cool. And uh, there's obviously very much a place for them. When we're starting to talk about like comparing Harden to guys who have chipped up four or five, six, seven times, whatever the hell it is, that's when I'm I'm a little out on that. Like you can't. I'm sorry. Like at some point, if you're that good. If you're that level of player, then it needs to happen in the critical moments. And you can't have an entire career where you don't win a championship and get compared favorably. And and by favorably, I mean not like, oh, well, you know, he, he played those guys toe-to-toe. But I mean, like, you know, remember like a few years ago, there was that whole thing like, oh, well, Harden's better than Steph. Steph's had help. And it's just like, that's the stupidest way to look yeah, at it. That was always insane. Yeah. Like, I'm like, that's just dumb. And like, at some point, it's not like he's been flaming out the first round with these untalented rosters year after year, right? Like this is a guy who's played now with future hall of famers pretty consistently. You know, he played with Katie and Russ when he was young. I'm not 
blaming him, by the way, for them. Like they were babies. Of course, they didn't win the championship that year. Um, but like he played with Chris Paul and Houston. He, he, I was gonna say Katie Russ, even Dwight Howard was yeah. close to it. He was still an all-star. Yep. Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Joel Embiid. KD, uh, Kyrie KD again. again, Kyrie. Like, I mean, he's had plenty of opportunities yeah. with the talent. Right. And it's just like, at some point, if you don't get it done, then you're not on the level of those guys. And like, that's not really a criticism. That's like saying, okay, you're, you're a hall of famer, but you're not like in the pantheon. Like, that's okay. That's not like a huge criticism, but there were always people that wanted to put him in that conversation without like having done the deed like you have to actually do it before I can compare you to those guys and that's always been like and and he's always had these fucking disaster moments he's always had these disaster moments in big spots and like you know I'm a little bit sympathetic to how much he sacrificed kind of his natural play style to accommodate Embiid but in those moments like I don't really care about that in that in like that like you're talking about it is you're up three with four minutes left of game six the, the, the sacrifices and all that shit. Like, if anything, you made all those sacrifices to be in this moment. So, in for these next four minutes, I need you to be James Harden. Can you just be James Harden for four minutes? That's all you needed from him, and he did nothing. It wasn't just like, it, and it wasn't just missing shots, right? It's, it's like you said, vomiting all over yourself, where you're just throwing the ball all over the place. You're, you're almost in game seven. He was dribbling the ball over his head. Yeah, it, it was, it was crazy. And then it's like, and then he does this thing where he'll like dribble the ball up and then just swing it to Maxi, And it's like, no, like you, you do something here, please. Like, don't just give it to Maxi and be like, well, my job here is finished. I like I I run nine seconds off the shot clock or 15 seconds off the shot. clock. It's, <laughs> it's, it's fr- you talked about pace earlier. It's very frustrating. The pace that the Sixers play at with Joel Embiid and James Harden, because I know a lot of fans, a lot of fans are mad at the, oh, we played ISO ball. And it's like, well, we had two of the best ISO scorers in the NBA. What did you expect? What is, what are the end of playoff games? Are we running fucking like Spain pick and roll at the end of a playoff game? Like it's all ISO ball, dude. This is Jason Tatum was just better in ISO at the end of game six than Joel Embiid and James Harden were like. All you're trying to do is trying to get like favorable isos like my and that's like kind of my thing with tibs where people are like well just iso ball at the end of games and it's like well most first of all most games basically are iso everyone switches at the end of games right (laughs) right so it's like it's like can you find a favorable mismatch and can you do it in a way like like for example one of like one frustration i have is it's it's not you're isolating it's how telegraphed exactly what you're trying to do is right it's like oh like we're trying to get Brunson on ISO. Like, yeah, no fucking shit. But like, is there a way to do it where it's not just so blindingly obvious? And it's not just where, oh, he's top of the key. Like, we can all just load up here. Like, maybe you can have him come off the screen and like, or you can even use him in the post. You can use you can do a variety of different things, but it's a lack of creativity. But like with I mean, with Harden, it's one of those things where you know, if you have the ball that much, to some extent it's on you. And it's like like I won't, I won't totally kill Tibbs for, you know. Oh, we're just isoing Brunson all the time. I kill him for that. For like, like, why are we doing this for four quarters? Right. And the end of game stuff. That's fine to me. I, I don't really games, mind that. End of game stuff is as and and also from the telegraphing standpoint, the one thing that always frustrated me when we telegraphed our who we were trying to get on a switch was that teams would just scram switch and they right. would 
they would switch behind the play so that they could avoid the matchup that James Harden wanted. In this series, they were giving him the Al Horford and the Malcolm Brogdon matchup. Well, the and for the first five games of the se- series, he was taking advantage of it. Like even when his numbers were shit, we were getting good outcomes of plays because if we if we ended up getting that switch, they would send help on a Harden drive and Harden would be able to kick it and put them in rotation and get us an open shot. And by the way, Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallin' drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallin' wherever you get your podcasts.